Welcome to Reading the Bible Like Jesus. That is the goal. That's kind of where we're headed. Man, we're going to be talking a lot about this um, over the next several weeks. And so I want you to be fully prepared as we do this. If you've missed a session or anything like that, here's how you can catch up. Um, we have we will have this published on podcast. Second thought, I'm going to restart that. Let me just pull up my notes. All right, let's get started. So just welcome. Welcome to reading the Bible like Jesus. That's our goal. This is session one, how Jesus read the Bible. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Um, And the goal of this study is just to see how the Bible was designed to be read, how it was designed to be engaged when it was written, and then to do exactly that, to begin reading the Bible in the way it was meant to be read. And to discover the kind of effect that it has on us as we do that. And we will do this by looking at and practicing seven, seven different lenses, a, a, a different perspective, a, a paradigm that the Bible was meant to be engaged. Um, and, and that's what we're looking at. You know, how, how did Jesus read the Bible and how can we read the Bible like Jesus? So just a few things before we get started here is um, you have several handouts in front of you. Um, and if, if, if you're missing anything, just let us know. You know, one of them is just a, a list of questions. I would love to have your answers, not the right answers, but your answers. So if you can, just fill that out, leave it for me today. The second thing is just kind of an outline of our study here, where we're going and the, the eight different sessions that we're going to have. Um, and then we also have, what if you miss a session? We're going to upload this on our Genuine Youth Ministries podcast. You can go to any podcast, search for Genuine Youth Ministries, and then uh, you'll you'll see it. And just, you know, there, there's also other lessons on there, but just look for the Reading the Bible Like Jesus lessons, or I'll, I'll have it labeled in an easy way to where you can identify it, and which week is what, and those kind of things. But uh, you can also, uh, if you're, if you're, the, the goal is to have this all in video eventually. We're going to be working on that, and it'll be through the church app and the website. But until then, podcasts will be the easiest way to um, listen to the recording. And the handouts are available in the youth room um, throughout this whole study, but they'll also be available in the church app. The, the easiest way, and then the, the, the description of the podcast will also be there. But the easiest way to stay in the know throughout all of this is just through the church app church center app you know make sure you get it make sure you're part of our church and then go to groups find our reading the bible like jesus group join that and there will be several things you can do there one of them will just be accessing all the resources so these pages that are in front of you so if you miss you can look it up or if you want to Look at something, but you don't have it with you. It's right there with you. You can also look at our schedule. You can participate in some discussion or see the announcements, stuff like that. That's all in our church app. So just make sure um, you jump in with those things. And then one more thing, at the end of every session, you're going to get practice. Uh, You'll have a new, a different packet that you get to leave with. And it's so that you can actually practice what we talk about, practice what we learn. You can actually begin reading the Bible like Jesus. So let me pray, and then we're going to dive in. So Lord, 
All I'm praying for is that we might be led to Jesus through this study and through the scriptures and, and, and be given the wisdom to live our lives in light of that relationship. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so open your Bibles to Luke 24. If you need a Bible, they're behind you, they're around you, they're somewhere. Just grab your Bible. It's, it's so good to have it um, in front of you, in your Bible. We have this on the handouts, not the whole section that we're reading, but parts of it because it doesn't all fit. You know, ma- mainly the focus parts. And you'll have lots of scriptures throughout your handouts throughout these sessions. But, uh, you know, for, for certain verses, we want to look at them in our own Bibles. And it's so good. So, again, Luke 24, we're going to start in verse 13. And just a little uh, context here is this is a day after the resurrection. No one has really seen Jesus yet. Not much. I mean, he hasn't made himself known too much yet. And, and all of the disciples are just trying to figure out what has happened. Um, and so that's where we're at, Luke 24. And the story picks up on a couple disciples walking down the road, walking down this road of Emmaus. Um, and little do they know, they're about to participate in the greatest Bible study ever. So Luke 24, starting in verse 13. It says, And behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things which had taken place. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. And he said to them, What are these words that you are exchanging with one another another, as you are walking? And they stood still, looking sad. One of them, named Cleopas, answered and said to him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and, and unaware of these things that have happened in these days? And he said to them, What things? Jesus said, What things? And they said back to Jesus, The things about Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word and in sight of God and all the people. And how the chief priest and our rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, it is the third day since these things have happened. But also some of the women among us uh, amazed us when they were at the tomb early in the morning. Then they did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just exactly as they said, but they did not see him. And so Jesus responded, and this is a great response. Y'all are foolish. You foolish men, slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have, have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses... And all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself and all the scriptures. And they approached the village which where they were going, and he acted as though as he, he was going to go further. They urged him, stay with us, for it's getting toward evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he had reclined at the table with them, he took the bread, he blessed it, breaking it, began giving it to them. Their eyes were then opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished in their sight. And they said to one another, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us? So that's where we're going to stop for now. 
this is the passage we're going to keep returning to, this whole passage in Luke 24 here. Um, and you're going to see, you know, what, what just happened. I mean, you have a couple guys, a couple of disciples, a couple of followers of Jesus walking down the road. Um, and they're kind of down because all their hopes are gone. Jesus pops up. They don't know he's, it's him because he's sneaky like that. And, uh, you know, they're like, this happened. And Jesus is like, whoa, 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 whoa. Y'all don't get it. Haven't y'all read the scriptures? Haven't you read the law of Moses, the prophets? Later we read a passage, it's in your handout as well. On the right side there, he talks about the Psalms, including several other writings with it. He's like, don't you know what that was all about? That was about me. And then they kind of get to hang out with Jesus. Jesus walks them through probably the best Bible study in the world. I mean, Jesus teaching a Bible study about him, that would, I'd, pay to, I'd pay to just be part of that. To watch from a distance or something. But at the very end, man, they're like, man, weren't our hearts just on fire during that? While he was walking us through scripture and pointing out how it was all about him. Where Jesus was throughout the whole thing. Man, there's some amazing things going on here. But real quick, I want to point out a few things. He said, you know, foolish man, slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets had spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things. Um, we've been doing this study with the young adult group, and uh, it's been really good so far, and I'm so excited to share it with y'all. Uh, the big difference here is there's a whole lot more of y'all, so it's going to be a whole lot more of me talking than us discussing, because we just don't have the time for it. But I am all for discussing it afterwards. So if there's anything that you like, dislike, whatever, uh, I'm, I'm here for conversation. I'm so excited about it. But he says this word Christ, and, and one of the things I like to point out is Christ wasn't Jesus' last name. It wasn't Jesus Christ like it's Carson Burns. No, Jesus um, was his name. It was Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus the Christ, Jesus our Lord. Christ is the English word for uh, uh, the Greek word Christos and the, the, the Hebrew word Mashiach, the Messiah. Christ means Messiah, and both of those words mean anointed or the anointed one. You know, Jesus was the Messiah, the anointed one. And so when we're looking at this, you know, the, the Jewish people were looking for this anointed Savior coming to save them. And so he says, wasn't it necessary for this anointed one, this Messiah, this Christ, to suffer these things and enter in, into his glory? Uh, another thing that he says um, was the scriptures. Um, yeah, down here at the end of 27, scriptures. When you see scriptures... We like to refer to our Bible as scriptures, but he didn't have the New Testament yet. That's something else we just kind of need to get in our head. As when he's saying scriptures, he's referring to Moses and the prophets and the writings, the Psalms, the whole Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, the Tanakh. And we're going to talk a lot about that as we go. But he's just referring to the Old Testament. But in verse 27, again, he says, you know, starting with the prophets and, and Moses, he explained to them the things concerning himself. See, when he read the story in Genesis, the stories in Genesis, the story of Moses, the story of David, you know, all these writings that came later and during, he saw himself in it. And he explained that he was in it all along the whole time. And that, to me, that's one of the big things to take away is Jesus saw all of the scriptures pointing to himself. And so if we want to read the Bible the way Jesus did, we need to learn how to see Jesus in all of it. And not just to force him in there. And we'll talk about that, you know, as, as uh, uh, in this American Christian 
church culture, we like to shove Jesus in before we actually know how he fits. And so we want to see how Jesus fits in without just making it happen and assuming that he's in there. We want to see it and be able to explain it. Um, you know, he, he talks about how the story is, is about, uh, is telling us about the redemption of humanity through this savior, through this anointed representative, a Messiah who got it right when all the others didn't. Again, Jesus saw the whole Bible, the Old Testament, and the whole thing as pointing to him. And then in verse 32, uh, you got to see their reaction and their hearts burning and, and, and their, their, this fire from just sitting down and doing a Bible study with Jesus. That's our goal, is to, regardless of where you feel like you are at in reading the Bible, for you to gain some skills, some, some know-how, um, some understanding so that you can read the Bible like Jesus, or if you're really good at it already and you even teach it, man, to gain some more skills so that you can get even better at reading the Bible like Jesus and teaching it to others, but also so that you might have a renewed passion, a, a, a new fire in your hearts just for engaging God's Word in a, maybe, in maybe a different way than you're used to. Um, so as we begin to shift the way we look at Scripture the way Jesus, to the way Jesus looked at Scripture um, and engage it and read it that way, uh, we're hoping that and we're praying that it brings some fire to our hearts um, where we not only know that Jesus is embedded on every page, but we begin to, begin to discover um, that and see it on our own. So um, if you're following me on the handouts, we're going to page two now. That was page one. Um, the question now is, that was how did Jesus see the Bible? How did Jesus read the Bible? Well, how did the apostles, how did his followers read the Bible? Um, and so we're going to look at 2 Timothy here. here. Uh, you know, Paul's writing to his uh, friend, his disciple, um, his, his men mentee, mentee, because Paul's the mentor. I don't know. I've never figured that out. But Paul's writing to Timothy and giving him some instruction on how to read the Bible. Um, or how he's had already been reading the Bible, but just reminding him. It says, you, Timothy, however, continue in the things that you've learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you've learned it from. And that from childhood, you have known the sacred writings, which you are able to give the wisdom, which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in right righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. So we usually focus right here in, in uh, 2 Timothy three sixteen, which is great verses, but we're going to hardly look at these. What we're really going to look at is verse 15, where, he, again, he talks about these sacred writings, these scriptures, he, again, the Old Testament, and he's saying, like, look, all of this, this Old Testament is set up to give you wisdom. Wisdom that leads to salvation. Salvation, which is through faith, which is in Jesus. Again, it all leads to Jesus. You know, Paul wanted, you know, Jesus, I mean, Paul wanted Timothy and many of the other apostles wanted other followers of Jesus to understand that the whole thing is about Jesus. That the purpose of the Bible is wisdom that leads to Jesus. Wisdom that leads to salvation, which is in Jesus. It's just kind of this little leapfrog connection just continues, but it all goes to Jesus. And so one of the things that we're going to look at is how the Bible gives us wisdom. 
not just knowledge, not just understanding, but wisdom from God and how it was designed to help provide, help you, man, help lead you step by step to that wisdom. Um, and so, again, no New Testament yet. We're looking at the Old Testament. That's what they're kind of talking about here with the sacred writings. But again, to Jesus. And then you have, um, you know, verse 16, which we'll talk about some. It was the, the next one that, well, anyway, all scripture is inspired by God. And we're going to talk about what that means, especially because the only thing God wrote with his hand was the Ten Commandments that Moses broke. People, humanity, wrote down the Bible. And so what does it mean that it's inspired by God? Again, if he wants to give us wisdom, his own wisdom, wouldn't it make more sense that he'd write it down himself so there's no chance of mistake? Yet he let us play a part. And we're going to talk about a lot about that um, and how it's actually going to help us uh, moving for- forward in reading the Bible like Jesus. So how did Jesus and his followers reach this conclusion that it's all about him, that it's all about giving us wisdom, that it's you know, inspired by God? How did they get to that point? Well, it wasn't new. This was the way they were reading the Bible. You know, this is the way they were uh, trained up as kids to read the Bible. They were looking for the Messiah in the text. They were looking for the wisdom that God wanted to give them through the text. So they inherited this Jewish tradition of reading the Bible, one that we've long been separated from because of culture and time and so much more. And so it just made sense to them. But our goal, again, is to kind of return to the way Jesus read the Bible the way the apostles read the Bible. Um, and so now that we have a slightly fuller, bigger picture, picture and vision of what the Bible was meant for and, and how Jesus read it just a little bit, the, what we're going to do is, is kind of prepare ourselves for this journey. So on the next page, I think uh, page three, yep, I have a little look ahead, the paradigm of the Bible. A paradigm is just a, another word for like a lens, uh, a, a set of perspectives on how to read the Bible. Uh, paradigm is just a word that's kind of clicked with me, and so I like to use it too. But it is your view and your views on how to read, how to engage the Bible. And so this paradigm um, is to, our goal is to discover this paradigm, to walk through this paradigm um, and, and begin seeing the paradigm that Jesus had about the Bible. How did he view it? And we have seven things that we're going to look at. How, what seven ways did Jesus read and engage and use when reading the Bible and talking about the Bible? Um, and so these seven are that the Bible is a human and divine literature, that it's a human and divine partnership. The next one is that it's unified literature, unified. The next one is that it, it's all about the Messiah, messianic literature. The next one is communal literature. It's a community literature, ancient literature. There's a lot of context that goes into that. Meditation literature, which is my favorite one. Um, so I can't wait when we get there. That's, that's by far my favorite one. I guess the Messiah one should be my favorite. But anyway, meditation is by far my favorite. And then the wisdom literature. Uh, how is the Bible met? Like it was desi- it's not just a few books that are wisdom. Li- no, the whole thing is wisdom literature. And so today is just an introduction to all of this. Um, but my goal is not, again, just to talk every week about this, but to let you practice it, to let you look at scriptures and allow scripture to show you how it was meant to be read and to give you the opportunity to practice it as we go. 
Um, so we're going to dive into the Bible together over the next several weeks. But before we do that, um, again, I want us to prepare ourselves. So I have a question that I want to hear some of your answers on. What are some common experiences people have with the Bible? What are some common experiences people say this about reading the Bible? Don't understand it. Don't know where to start. I feel like that all the time sometimes. Too hard? Big words. There's a lot of confusing things in there, for sure. Contradictions. Uh, yeah, a lot of people see contradictions in Scripture. Anybody else? I have a book that I'll refer to later. Um... But it's called How Not to Read the Bible, and one of the quotes in it has something to do with, uh, it might be in your handout. No, it's not. Um, but uh, it, it pretty much says the quickest way to atheism, atheism is by reading the Bible, reading the Old Testament, because there's so much weird stuff in it. Um, and, and that's just kind of a quote from another author. But it gets the point across, the Bible is kind of full, and unless you're guided into it, you do get lost. You do get confused. Um, that's what discipleship's all about. And so my goal, again, is to kind of increase the effectiveness of your discipleship by increasing the effectiveness of your own following of Jesus by reading the Bible like Jesus. And so this is kind of where we're going. But how do we start reshaping our paradigm of, of the Scripture? That's, we're still on page 3. But how do we start reshaping the way we view Scripture, the way we engage Scripture? And number one is by realizing and identifying the, the ways we limit Scripture or the ways we engage it that can actually be harmful sometimes. And so I want to walk through this. I have three here that are highlighted, three limiting or harmful. And I'm not saying these are completely wrong. Don't, don't assume that just yet. Because so, some of these are the ways we've always learned how to read Scripture. But it can limit the way we understand it. It can limit the way we see Jesus and gain wisdom. Or sometimes it can be harmful, and we'll kind of talk why. Um, but when we engage and read Scripture by just one of these methods, or just a couple of these methods, we're missing out on the original intention that these authors had. And they are limited because we aren't reading it the way that the authors designed it to be read. So again... It, I'm not saying it's 100% wrong, but it misses out. When the author wrote this down, he's like, this is how I want it to be read, and this is why. And sometimes we miss that by reading it these ways. The first one um, is as a theology dictionary. A theology dictionary. The first limited, limiting view or way to engage the Bible is as a theology dictionary. And the idea behind this is... Uh, we're, we're, we're seeking through verses and stories to give us answers about who God is and what life is about and, and those kind of things. Um, and and we, we, we look at it like a dictionary or a reference book. I remember uh, when I was a kid, I'd go into my uh, grandparents' house and they had the Britannica encyclopedias over across shelves. You could pick something and you could read something like, oh, this is what this means. But that's not the full context of what that truly means. That's just a shortened definition to give you an idea. Same way when we do that with the Bible, we're just getting a small picture. 
We, we can miss out on a lot of things when we just treat it as a theology dictionary. But the intent behind it is good because, you know, we're operating from a position of, of we want to know God. We want to um, engage with God and, and, and we want to know how we should act in this world and engage this world. Um, but the, and the Bible was designed to shape our views on life and to help us understand God, but not in this way, not as a theological dictionary. And the issue is, the problem is, is that we expect the Bible to give us a clear definition about things. And like we just said, sometimes it just doesn't. It's, and sometimes it's not supposed to give us a clear definition of things. Sometimes it wants us to be confused. You know, God, our God is not the God of confusion, but he can definitely use confusion for good things. He wants us to be thinking. Um, and then sometimes one of the ways it can be harmful is that we start to twist scripture to make it say something, even if that's a good something, we, we try to make it say something the author never intended it to say. Um, or worse, it makes us a people who are after answers more than a relationship with God. And that's really harmful. When we're just after answers, then a relationship with our Father, with our King, with our Lord. So that's one way, one limiting way that we often engage the Bible. Um, another one is as a moral rule book, as a list of rules. What to do, what not to do, a black and white view approach on doing good and avoiding bad. So the intent behind it is good because it comes from a place of wanting to do right, a place of wanting to do good, a place of wanting to follow in God's will. Um, and in fact, the Bible does want to shape how we view right and wrong. It wants to shape how we, our, our actions and, and how we engage this world. But this isn't the way the Bible accomplishes that, not as a rule book. You will find lists of rules especially back with Leviticus and Deuteronomy and the ones that we fall asleep in a lot. Um, there's a lot of rules there, but there's a lot of places where we say there's rules and, and it really wasn't meant to be rules. When Jesus starts saying, hey, do not murder. In fact, don't even be angry. He's not giving us a rule. He's giving us a way to approach life, a, a bigger message there um, on how to live. And, and so when we look at it this way as just a rule book, the issue is we treat it as such, and there's these contradictions that we find, um, or we just like, okay, that's the Old Testament. That doesn't count anymore, <laughs> but it still does. God, I don't see anywhere in Scripture that where it says, uh, nope, the Old Testament doesn't count. In fact, Jesus says, no, I fulfill all of that. I take all this and magnify it all the more. Um, and so because of this, the reader can end up confused, discouraged, disheartened, um, or maybe just disconnected with the Bible and God, or worse, again, we stop seeking God, we stop seeking the Spirit for wisdom and discernment in our decisions each day. If we treat it as a rule book, the harmful part is that we stop seeking the Spirit to help guide our decisions and rules and those kind of things. So that's number two. Number three is as a devotional grab bag. This approach is that when we read, we just pick certain passages that we really like that, we, that are, you know, in a devotional. You know, they never really put murder scenes and stuff like that in devotionals because they don't, they don't make us feel good. They don't really encourage us sometimes. It makes us, 
you know, really examine our hearts or something like that. But it's this idea of pursuing a, a feel-good moment, a devotional grab bag. This is what I'm going to grab that makes me feel good. Again, the intent behind it is good because we desire uh, to be in the Word and to know God, which is exactly what the Bible wants us to do, to know God and know His story of redemption. But that's not the method He chooses to achieve that. Um, the issue is that in this pursuit of these feel-good devotional passages, we often lose the context of what's really going on. We make it say, say something it's not meant to say. We misinterpret it. And when we misinterpret a passage, we're going to misapply it. And that's huge. You know, there's, there's only one interpretation to these books. And that's what the author intended. But there's several applications to it. We just need to be able to identify what that interpretation was so that we can learn how to apply it, that interpretation to our life, to apply it. And so when we misinterpret it, we can misapply it. Or worse, we stop being challenged, we stop being changed, and we stop reflecting the image of God. That's the, that's the worst case. That's the harmful side of it, is if we just use it as a devotional grab bag, we're going to continue changing into more of us and less of him. Um, and we're called to change into more of him. And so uh, another bonus here is seeing the Bible as a history book. If you just see it as a history book, you're, the, the authors didn't sit down to be like, hey, I'm going to write a history book so everybody knows exactly what happened. That's not their goal. There's a lot of history. There's a lot of truth, but that's not their goal. And so when we see it just like that, we no longer tie anything into faith we no longer tie anything into, uh, you know, this meditation or this ancient literature or these methods that they were trying to convey a meaning, an interpretation, and a truth. And so we don't want to see it just as a history book. And as we talked about in our YAM group, um, Brother Mike says, well, what about a math book? Um, if we do math, it's not very good at being a math book. We talked about science. It's not a very good science book. So you get the picture. There's a lot of wrong ways to, or, or limiting ways, I don't want to say wrong, but there's a lot of limiting ways we can engage the Bible because that's not how the authors intended us to engage it. Doesn't make it all harmful. There's actually some positive to it, but there's some things that we miss when we engage the Bible in a different way than the authors intended. So, the way we see the Bible and what the Bible is for and what it is about, it's going to impact the way we see and follow Jesus. You know, Jesus is more than a theologian. Jesus is more than a rule enforcer. Jesus is more than a cheerleader. And he is more than just some historical figure. Now, this is our Jesus. This is our God. And there's something powerful being communicated through these difficult books of the Bible. We just got to learn how to see it and engage it in those kind of ways. When we read the Bible by using any of these methods, too often we, we will do one of two things. We will bring our own views, opinions, and agendas into the Bible and end up making the Bible say something it was never meant to say. This is, is going to be probably the hardest thing when it comes to this study and engaging it the way I'm going to ask you to is setting everything else you've ever learned aside. Not throw it away. Because there's a lot of good things. We have excellent Bible te teachers in our church. I like to consider myself a good Bible teacher. And I haven't always, don't shake your head at me. Um, and I haven't always, you know, taught it this way. But I want you to set it aside. Set your opinions, your agendas, the ways you've learned. Set it aside so that you can engage the Bible, what I'm telling you, 
and what I believe was the way it was meant to be engaged. <coughs> the other thing that can happen when we just use any of these methods is that we stop reading. We stop the story, we make our conclusions, and we walk away when the story hasn't ended. You know, I, I, the, the book I was talking about, How Not to Read the Bible, talks a lot about this. So many people give up because it just gets weird. It gets confusing. They don't understand it. Or we get the, the, the conclusion that God is an angry God and likes to just squash his people if you end it in the wrong spot. You, you miss out on why he's doing that or what's truly going on or the full picture of who God is when we just stop reading. And so, again, when we just engage the Bible in one of these ways, we can bring our own stuff into it or we stop reading the story, we end the story before the story has a chance to finish telling the rest of itself, leaving us lost, confused, or disheartened about God and about faith. So whether it's taking the Bible, a Bible verse out of context, um, or making our own conclusions, even when the story continues on, again, there's many ways that we can lose the true intended purpose and meaning of Scripture. But our goal is to rediscover the way Scripture was meant to be engaged um, so that doesn't happen to us much anymore. So we don't miss the way or the messages that are being uh, conveyed in these stories. So, again, because the way that we view what a book is shapes how we approach that book and what we get out of the book, because of that, we're going to try to figure out how to reshape our view and the way we engage Scripture. You know, God wants more for us than quick answers or a list of rules or a feel-good moment. He wants transformation. He wants a growing relationship. Um, in fact, uh, on page four, um, let's see where it's at. Kind of in the middle. No, at the very bottom. At the very bottom, there's a quote that I, I love. It says, the Bible isn't a cruise ship experience. By the way, we got to go on our first cruise ever right before COVID. Um, and literally, when we got off the ship, the world was shutting down. It was crazy. We're just glad we got off before it happened. But man, I can't wait to go on another cruise. Because, you know, a cruise is when you just bring all of who you are. You don't care what anybody thinks about you. And you just get, eat. You get to eat the whole time. At least that's my goal. Um, <laughs> And I think there's a sin about that. It starts with a G or something. But um, no, but the Bible is not a cruise ship. It's not a cruise ship experience where you get to take all of your stuff with us or your stuff with you. When we, we must leave our luggage at the port, our own cultural assumptions behind, and allow the authors of that day and time to immerse us into the portrait of which they saw their God, their world, and their hope. So what do we do? How do we start reading the Bible like Jesus? First, we recognize the limiting ways um, that we engage Scripture. And on page 5, we start to read the Bible on its own terms. There's a quote um, on that page, um, kind of near the bottom of the end there. Don't let your experiences define Scripture, but let Scripture define your experiences. See, that's something my youth pastor, Josh Woodard, many of y'all know him, that he taught me. There's so many ways to allow our experiences and what we're going through and what's happening in the world define the way we engage Scripture. And that we miss so much when we do that. The goal is to look at Scripture the way it was meant to be looked at, to, the way it was meant to be read, and allow that to define what's going on in our world. 
that to define our views and our experiences and all that. And so by leaving our experiences, we, we begin by leaving our experiences, our views, our ideas, our opinions, our agendas at the door and allow the Bible to speak on its own terms. And as we do this, we learn to read the Bible the way Jesus read it. We, we will start seeing how the Bible was meant to create life change within us and impact the relationships around us. And that's just the beginning of our journey together. So let me pray, and we're going to have a little bit of time to actually discuss, which I'm super excited about. It won't be that case every week. Next week, I'll get to that in a minute. It's going to be the hardest, I think, of, of all of them. But let me pray, and then we can kind of talk, and I'll tell you about the, the practice, um, and we'll just make sure we're all on the same page. So Father God, I hope that we're challenged. I hope that some of this kind of makes us go, well, I'm not so sure about that. Because I think that's exactly where you want us to be, is in a place of curiosity, in a place of, of want and desire and pursuit for the truth, for the truth that is in your word. God, as we kind of set ourselves aside, guide us to the right, uh, or not the right, guide us into a, a fuller way of engaging your word, including all the ways we've been taught before. But God, as we do this, as we engage your word, may we be led to Jesus through this study and through the scriptures and be given the wisdom to live our lives in light of that relationship. So in Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so before we can talk a little bit, um, you're, Stormy, if you'll take that, uh, you want to just pass them out? That's perfect, yeah. Um, Stormy's going to pass out your homework. Um, but if you're like me, you don't want to call it that. So I like to call it practice. Um, so you're going to get this paper, a uh, little kind of short thing on the front, just kind of remind you of what we just kind of talked about in a very short summary. And then you have the book of Ruth. And your goal this week with the book of Ruth is to kind of set everything else aside and just read it for what it says. You know, don't try to, to go study something or remind yourself. No, just study it or read it for what it is. Just read the words on the page and that's it. Um, what I'm going to do every week is I'll have little highlights on the sides um, that'll kind of give you some guidance on this week specifically how to prepare your head, heart, and hands for engaging and reading the Bible like Jesus did. Um, but every week it'll be different. So next week, which again, I think is going to be the hardest one. To me, it's like the most challenging one, um, is seeing the Bible as a human and divine partnership, as human and divine literature, um, because there's some very challenging things about that. And so your goal after that study next week and after the pie auction, which is going to be great, um, is to read Ruth with that lens, with that paradigm, a human and divine partner. And then the next week will be as unified, read Ruth as unified literature, and, you know, and so on and so on. And so that's the, the practice. Um, once again, um, we have a sign-up sheet that's somewhere. Um, if you didn't get a chance to sign up on it, um, let me know. We'll pass that to you. It'll give you the option to say, yes, you can, add a, you can add me to the church app, the group for this study, and we'll add you in for you. That's the easiest way to stay in the know. That's the easiest way to uh, gain all the handouts. Like Stormy, um, she doesn't take her...
practice to work with her, but sometimes she has opportunity to do it. So she can easily pull it up because it's on there, um, and she can print it off and do it right there. Doesn't have to wait till she gets home. So it gives you another opportunity. And then it'll have a link to the podcast um, and stuff like that so that you don't miss anything.